Welcome to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast brought to you by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. This podcast tackles important pulse topics, including market opportunities for your crop, market access and trade policy developments, innovative agronomic approaches, transportation for Canadian crops, and a whole lot more. My name is Carl Potts, Executive Director of Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, and today it's my pleasure to be interviewing Gordon Bacon, the outgoing CEO of Pulse Canada. After 23 years at the helm of Pulse Canada since its inception in 1997, and 15 years as CEO with the Canadian Special Crops Association, Gordon is retiring from this role. Before I joined SPG, I had the pleasure of working directly with Gordon on market access and international market development topics for pulses, and I've worked with him for the last nine years uh, in this role here at SPG. So today we're going to dig into some of Gordon's achievements and some best memories from his time working in the pulse industry. Thank you for joining us today, Gordon. Welcome. Hey, Carl. It's great to be here, and it's uh, good to be chatting with you. So, Gordon, uh, today Canada is one of the world's largest exporters of of pulses and a leading producer of pulses in the world, but it wasn't always that way. And I think growers know a lot about the the backstory on production in Western Canada, Dr. Al Slinkard being hired in the 1970s and starting to breed pulses and an organization and an association in Saskatchewan being set up in the 70s and then ultimately SPG in the 1980s and lots of investments in research over the years. But you know, maybe the story around the work that was done to put pulses on the map, uh, Canadian pulses on the map, and to build markets internationally isn't as, as well known. So that's what we want to dig into uh, with you a bit today. So I wonder if you can uh, tell us a little bit about um, you coming into the, the pulse industry at uh, at a certain stage of, d- of development already, and uh, and what's some of the priorities that the board at the time had for you as uh, as they were starting this new national organization? Yeah, I, I'm, Carl, I'm really glad that you put the perspective of how many decades of history there was before Pulse Canada. You know, we had early settlers growing peas. We had, um, you know, through the, as you say, probably in late 60s into the 70s, we had 30 years of, uh, of sort of major new production shifts in Western Canada before Pulse Canada was set up. And then the background of the story of why a national organization came about in started discussions, I think in 1996, was that the Western Pulse Growers Association watching the tremendous expansion of production and processing facilities, wanted to get started uh, making an international presence beyond that which companies who were already marketing pulses were doing. And so they went to Ottawa and uh, wanted to get some matching federal money that was available and was being used by other groups. And the reality of the time was that the money that was allocated to the pulse industry was being used by the Ontario Bean Producers Marketing Board. And so it was officials in the Department of Agriculture in Ottawa that said, if you want to access the federal money, you're going to have to form a national association. And so the very uh, first part of the discussion was having uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba who were already aligned through Western Pulse Growers, you know, form an alliance with the uh, Ontario Bean Producers Marketing Board uh, and the trade to create a national pulse industry identity that was representing both the farmers and the trade and thus basically matching at least on a dollar for dollar basis, the money that farmers were already putting in. So I think it was a combination of this uh, expansion and growth the fact that one of the first things in our business plan was for uh, 
buyers around the world to know that they could buy directly from Pulse Canada was part of the original work plan. And that just tells you that a lot of the trade was going to brokers in Europe. So these might have been brokers in the south of France who were who were trading lentils uh, into Morocco or other uh, North African countries. And the desire was to sort of make the breakthrough to create direct linkages from buyers in whatever country to the Western Canadian or Ontario bean processors. And uh, that really was the first step. And of course, the idea was to expand markets right from the very beginning. You know, one of the lines in the original 11 page business plan was uh, expand growth in China. So I think it was just a combination of um, starting to uh, build for the next wave of growth and, and do that with national programming and national money. It was a big part of it. So, and, and one thing I'll add really quickly too, is that from the people market perspective at that time, you know, the pulse industry got started because of market distortions from uh, um, production subsidies and, and export subsidies offered by the Americans and the Europeans. One of our big markets was a feed peas uh, going into Europe. And again, it was because there was tariff on other protein crops, but peas were exempt. So yeah, the first phase was really, you know, kind of establishing additional direct market links. And uh, and we really have a big focus on feed peas to start out. Yeah. So in, in those first, uh, you know, in that first year, first couple of years, you know, what 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 did you focus on? I know you didn't have a you know, large staff, maybe you didn't have you know, any staff at all. But but what did that look like as you set out to, to start that new organization and, uh, you know, and, and travel to, to different places and help really put Canada on the map uh, for pulses internationally? You know, uh, Carl, one of the telling lots of stories here. One of the debates uh, prior to my starting was where the uh, office for Pulse Canada was going to be located. Clearly, Saskatchewan was the biggest pulse producing province, and, and it stands to reason that Saskatchewan wanted the office in uh, Saskatchewan somewhere. Um, other people felt that one of the big links, uh, probably the people in Ontario felt, you know, one of the most important linkages, uh, whether it was food aid or you know, getting assistance policy issues, um, wanted the office in Ottawa. Um, and I think, I can't speak for the original board, but I think the reason that the office was located in Winnipeg ultimately was maybe it wasn't the first or second choice. But um, I bring that up because uh, here in Winnipeg, which has been the traditional home of, of the grain industry in Canada, we had groups like the Canadian International Grains Institute and so we had expertise that Pulse Canada could draw on through Dave Hickling at Siggy, or certainly the expertise of the Grain Research Lab. So yeah, maybe we were short on staff at the beginning, but we had resources here uh, in Winnipeg to draw on, plus a number of the grain companies with their offices in Winnipeg. So staff-wise, uh, short, but you know, rich in resources. So. I think the things that we did early on were really focusing on on feed peas and animal nutrition. And, and um, you know, this was a big part of, uh, of the times where we were looking at international trade agreement. We had, you know, China coming into the WTO. We had uh, free trade agreements that were being uh, negotiated and set up in, in Chile and uh, Colombia. And, you know, so a lot of the work we did was setting up feed pea trials and how I would do that and, and staff that came along, you know, would be to work with the experts like Dave Hickling, who has a PhD in animal nutrition, you know, worked with the University of Saskatchewan. So, you know, we reached out to the resources 
that had the expertise that we needed to do the kinds of things that were important at the time. So when you first started, Gordon, what was the level of awareness of uh, pulses and as Canada as a, as a supplier? You talked earlier about trying to create those linkages between Canadian companies and exporters and those those end use customers. So I'm sure you were uh, you know, traveling to various places. What was some of the initial level of awareness that you found as you started started out? Yeah, we had a high level of interest and and maybe I'm not entirely sure of how much uh, some of the people I spoke to were aware of what was going on, but I have one story I want to tell you. So before I get to the story, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, we we did a lot of trade shows at that time and, and something that in my mind would make no sense at all to do today because we're in a completely different world. But, you know, we, we had as Pulse Canada, a booth at, uh, you know, the biggest food shows in the world in Germany in France we did food shows in Spain we you know we, we were back in the day uh, you know at a food show called rebuild Iraq which was go back to the time of the post Iraq war where um, you know attending something in Kuwait so um, a lot of it was just to, to sort of start out by you know showing the product showing you know the quality which size shape and color at the time and and uh, passing out business cards and, and setting up a website that would allow people to have a portal, you know, into the marketing companies. So I, the story I wanted to tell you, which I think is part of it, I, I was uh, traveling probably six or eight years um, into the job and someone came up to me and, and said, hello, Gordon. And I didn't know who they were. And I had to say, I'm sorry, I don't recognize you. And the story was that this person had come to me at a booth in one of these early trade shows and and he said I started out you know my first order was for five containers but since that time and then he went on to say how much business he had done so you know it was a little bit of a random chance thing that you would stand at a booth and the right people would come up to you another reason why I don't think uh, trade shows today make any sense at all because we know much more about who we want to target and who we need to speak to and and um, at the time, standing and hoping people came up to you was the right thing. And, and now that to me looks like so, so many years ago and, and just something that uh, doesn't even make sense now. But for the time, I guess it was the right thing to do. So from those early uh, beginnings, uh, you, you've seen tremendous growth in the sector, obviously, over the last uh, 23 years from smaller levels of production, smaller levels of exports, you had a, a different level of focus on quality, I'm sure, now compared to, to those days. So what are the, the biggest changes that you've seen uh, take place over the, the course of uh, your career, uh, you know, from the, especially from the, the marketing and uh, market development side, Gordon? You know, Carl, you know, you've known me long enough to know that I, I, I like formulas and, and kind of ways to organize my thoughts, but also to explain things. So I think the first wave was really uh, peas into the feed market. And uh, this was the big area of growth. And so, you know, we did feeding trials in China through South America. You know, we were actually identifying feed deficit areas in the U.S. where peas maybe would be competitive, uh, certainly working in the Western Canadian feed market. So phase one was feed. Phase two was really when the Indian market started to grow. And, and now we're really into commodity food marketing. So the commodity food market was paying more than the commodity feed market. And so the focus started to shift into 
you know, South Asia, of course, because India became a major destination for product and it was about commodity. We had to be price competitive. I think the third phase that I saw, and of course, when we had, uh, you know, move into the food sector, we saw growth in, in processing and cleaning on the prairies. And that's been really important. We saw major grain companies start to get into the business because the volumes picked up and, and it shifted from being primarily a container business to now including bulk vessels. I'm calling the third phase, you know, the shift into food ingredients, where we had people who were grinding pulses into flour, were looking to add um, whole and split pulses into common foods. And, you know, we sort of were shifting who the market focus was going to be. And, and I will include in that third phase, the uh, attraction of, of foreign direct investment to Canada, you know, with major money in all three prairie provinces, uh, both in processing of ingredients, as well as some food plants. I'm calling the fourth phase sort of where we're just launching into now, um, is the shift where the focus for not just pulses, but everybody is on food. And I, and I think that a focal point for this fourth transition in the pulse industry that I hope the pulse industry in, continues to focus on for in the years ahead is really a food focus and it's a dietary approach. And what's interesting and fascinating to me is that the logo and the slogan that we came up with more than 15 years ago of healthy people, healthy planet is exactly what the United Nations is talking about now. But and the, one of the key differences, I think, is that the, with a focus on food, it brings into account the interest in the production of ingredients. So the grinding, the particle size reduction, but it brings in the production of food itself. And so in my mind, it is no longer adequate to talk about the farming impact on environment. We have to bring it to the plate. We have to express values in food. And so I think there's a real important point that the discussion has to be food centric, not farm centric. So the UN system is not a, a farming system summit. It's a food system summit. And when I listen to food manufacturers and major equipment suppliers like Bueller out of Switzerland, everything is about how it impacts the expression of environmental value or degradation on a food unit. So farming is incredibly important, but the denominator of how we're going to look at measuring environmental impact is not on a per acre basis, is not related to you know, what we do in Western Canada. But it's ultimately, in my view, going to come down to very much traced back to the farm because the farm practices are what creates the variability. Um, but in a measurement that can be translated through grinding and particle size reduction and food ingredient and, and right through to things like food loss and, and looking at it from, a, from an end product food perspective. And I'm lucky enough right now to be sitting on a committee uh, of this UN group that is looking at changing consumer behaviors. So even the UN system is focusing on the demand pull and the product offering for food. And the question for all groups, not just pulses, and I think this is an important part of that shift into the fourth phase, is that we now need to look at things from a cropping systems perspective, a dietary perspective, and just as I feel that it doesn't make sense to go to a food show anymore, you know, I'm not so sure that it's as simple as promoting pulses anymore because the food solution 
includes many sources of protein, many sources of carbohydrates and, and values and benefits. And Carl, I'm really passionate about this because, you know, this I think is international year of fruits and vegetables. So we're in a really competitive in marketplace on a global basis in the food sector. You know, fungi is being used in food applications, algae, insects for chicken feed. So what is clear to me is that there is a fundamental shift in looking at protein and protein alternatives and looking at them from the impact of not only nutrition, which we always have looked at it, but the impact of sources of food and primarily protein um, on the environment. So all of us have to rise to the challenge of, yeah, we're doing a good job, but how do we get better? And for the pulse industry, the question is, how do we make sure that we hold the position that I think we were really good at five years ago with international year pulses, but I think that the discussion and the game has changed. We're into the fourth phase, and I think we need a bit of a different game plan. I think it's quite clear, Gordon, that you've, uh, for many years, uh, have been out, out in front and, and sort of leading the way and having a vision for, you know, the way pulses can fit into these uh, these consumer trends and society trends, health, nutrition, environmental sustainability. And, you know, we see a lot of that happening, you know, even in the, the traditional commodity supply chain, a lot of traditional exporters are talking about interest in in sustainability and health from the customers that that they deal with that you know we weren't hearing those things five and, and ten years ago and and so I think to, you know you know what have what have been some of those launch uh, launching points or launching pads for for some of that uh, you know over over the past number of years I think international year of pulses is one that there was a lot of effort within the pulse industry globally to get that that year launched. And I know you played a very important role and a key role, I think, especially in taking that concept from, you know, from idea to, you know, execution of a year that could actually have uh, impact and value for our industry. So just some interest in some of your thoughts as you reflect back on, on what impact the, the 2006 International Year of Pulses is having now and, and the legacy it may, it may continue to have as we, uh, as we go forward in this fourth phase, as you describe it. Yeah, I think International Year of Pulses was enormous, but I want to go back to 2012 when we started talking about International Year of Pulses, which ultimately was four years later in 2016. You know, what we realized, and to me, this is a really important lesson for the pulse industry to remember and to act on today is, you know, we are so small in the global food industry as the pulse industry. We're, we're really tiny players. And the only reason we were able to do things that we did in International Year of Pulses is that we focused on working together. We found the areas that we agreed that we could work collectively with the Americans. You gotta remember, there was times when I would go to meetings in the US and have people come up and stand four inches from my face and say, you got a lot of nerve showing up here because we had this idea that we were adversaries. And I think the biggest lesson that International Year of Pulses showed the pulse industry is that you will go further when you work together. And it wasn't fast, you know, the saying is, you wanna go fast, go alone, you wanna go far, uh, work together, travel together. So to me, that's the biggest uh, um, lesson to keep reminding people, whether it's province to province or 
farmers in the trade or whether we start crossing international borders, the only way you're going to go far is to work together. So um, not only did we establish a tremendous relationship with uh, the Americans and the American associations, but through the Global Pulse Alliance, the Confederation, we were able to draw people together around the globe. And, you know, from a Canadian perspective, we had started talking about healthy people, healthy planet 15 years ago. So I look at it and went, we got a whole bunch of other people to help do the job that we had already started. We got great publicity through the international year in the United Nations. You know, we had events in Rome and we had events in New York and and we had a lot of social um, uh, media and, and SAS Pulse scores played a huge role in uh, in coordinating all of that. So, you know, as an example where the expertise that SPG had was put to use to create uh, value, the Americans were doing certain things, you know, and fancy events in Manhattan with uh, food writers. So I think it was really important and it launched us on pulse crops are great for reasons of nutrition, health, affordability, uh, environmental sustainability. And that's still an important message, but now the discussion can't be pulses versus fungi versus fruits and vegetables versus meat versus cheese. It's not a versus world. So that's why I think the, the strategy and the actions of International Year Pulses, you can't just pick up and do again because we have to move beyond the idea. If you want to talk about reformulating and reimagining diets, there's 500 different food ingredients out there that we can work with. So what we have to be part of is looking at food as an end product and and how we can reformulate food. It still has to be affordable. Hopefully it's a, you know, stored at ambient temperatures, great opportunity for pulses. Um, It's not all processed food. So we still have to find ways to, you know, put pulses in as whole pulses are split. But I think when you start shifting the focus from pulse promotion to how do we be relevant socially, uh, nutritionally, environmentally, from a food and dietary perspective, we have to rethink uh, who our partners will be in this round because we're not going to do it alone. Um, What are the messages that we need to bring to the table? And we also need to develop a rule book that everybody's playing the same game and understands the rules and plays them together. And that's a really important part for farmers to be part of because we are seeing people around the world use this sustainable and natural and everybody has a slightly different definition. And, you know, farmers like to talk about it, but they talk about it, you know, in terms of stored soil carbon. All these are important, but none of them are going to be the kind of thing that appear on a, on a nutrition label and an environmental label on food. So we also have to be thinking about where are we headed towards and how is this going to work? So rather than just react to, you know, the puck that's in our feet right now, we have to have a bit of a game plan about how we're going to break out of the zone that we're in and how we're going to move down the ice or the field or whatever sports analogy you want to have. And I think that's one of the big challenges right now, because I understand that people are frustrated and get angry and, and, and get a bit defensive. Uh, and that's why I actually don't like the term, the SWOT analysis, because the T in SWOT stands for threat. And what do you do when you think of a threat? You clench your fist and you're ready to fight. I think that we have to think about change as transition and how we prepare ourselves for transitions that frankly are out of our control and transitions that are well on their way to happening. 
So it's time for us to get on our toes, talk about the transitions that are going on in the food sector, uh, the opportunities that that presents for us in the pulse sector to recreate a marketing position, um, to talk about the weaknesses of, of what we are doing now and, and the strength that is inherent in pulse crops, being affordable, uh, being stored. We don't have the food waste issue of fresh fruit and vegetable, for example. Um, you know, we have a complementary amino acid profile. We can go on and on and talk about all the things we've talked about, but in the context of a dietary and transformational food system. So we're in, we're in phase four, and I think that's the opportunity that lies ahead. Well, you've, you've operated in this space that's been very close to uh, end use customers and consumers, you know, over, over the years. And it was very clear by, by our conversation here today about, about your, your vision for the future and how excited you, uh, you are about that. Um, you know, as we, as we think forward, Gordon, I'm interested to know a little bit more about, uh, yeah, about what, you know, what your next, some of your next steps will be and what you'll be doing as you transition from your, your role as a CEO of uh, Pulse Canada and the CSCA, you know, to some, to some other things. So I'm wondering if you can share a little, uh, you know, insight in, in terms of what you might be focusing on going forward. Well, through the through the partnerships of developing International Year of Pulses, I've, I've developed a close per- personal and professional relationships with uh, pulse industry players around the world, and with other uh, private sector groups. You know, Dairy uh, International Fertilizer Association, Crop Life International. All of these groups are you know part of the discussions that were the part of the Rome groups that, that we worked with and, and with the assistance of to create International Year Pulses. So what I'm hoping I can continue to do working with the Global Pulse Confederation is um, take this private sector approach, uh, take these vast interests of fertilizer and technologies and crop inputs and, and, and work with International Dairy Federation and others and say, hey, look, we, we can't be adversaries. You know, we have to avoid that. You got a lot of nerve showing up here attitude that we've passed and we have to find ways to work with them and make sure that the forces who are bringing about change in the food industry are plugged in to the entire value chain. And, you know, we've had a few dust ups that, you know, when you're passionate, you can, you can scream and yell, but there's a real difference between anger and passion. And so I've had passionate discussions with the International Dairy Federation, for example. But at the end, you know, we kind of come together and we're saying the same things in terms of the approach that we have to have and the development of a standardized approach to assessing these things so that we don't have people, whether it's in Canada at the political level or anywhere, making ridiculous comments that suggest all meat and milk is bad and all plant protein is good. It's not that simple. We all know that. We know as people, I grew up in Saskatchewan, we had land on our farm that was only good for pasture because of the topography and rocks, et cetera. So we have to, I'm bringing a real personal philosophy to this now, but saying, I think that on a global basis, we, we, we need to be looking at these global measurements, but the actions have to be ecosystem specific. Even in wheat, if you look at how wheat is grown in Eastern Canada versus South of Regina, where I grew up, I mean, it's different. And so you can't have one measurement for an entire nation. You certainly can't have one measurement 
for an entire planet. You know, we have to become more sophisticated in how we look at things. And, and just a final comment on this, you know, there's more variability across the fence line than there are geopolitical lines. And that's why I believe that ultimately we're going to move a lot more to farm specific approaches. But before some of the farmers who are listening get concerned, this is only important if the market wants it. Currently, one of our big markets, India, this isn't a market priority. So why would we do things in Canada that are not relevant for that market? So I'm not talking about something that everybody has to do. I'm talking about being ready for the niche markets, which will grow into something bigger, making sure that we understand what they need so that we develop the systems and the data and the kind of provenance of our products um, to make sure that we can meet the market's requirements. And the market requirement for quality now includes discussion about environmental sustainability. So to answer your question, I think Carl is, we still have to look for those partners. We still have to work together. We have to make sure that the entire value chain of food, including the really important role that we play as farmers and, and technology providers for farm production, that our story is understood and can be measured in a way that is relevant to food. And we got a lot of work to do. It's not gonna be part of what the UN decides in September of 2021, but they're gonna lay down the platform that says this is the direction we have to move. And now we're gonna to have to develop the more sophisticated and a different approach to how we think about what we do so that we can meet that food system goal. Thanks, Gordon, for uh, for the, that insight and uh, and those comments. I guess I was just sort of wondering if you have any uh, any you know, remaining comments or remaining things that uh, that we haven't covered today that uh, that are coming to mind. You know, Carl, I I am filled with reflections of not only twenty four years with Pulse Canada, seven years with the Wheat Board, um, three years in Ottawa with Charlie Mayer. Um, five years with Alberta Agriculture, a couple of years with uh, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada and Swift Current, you know, throw in a few other uh, jobs that didn't last for more than a few months along the way. And, um, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm a very, very fortunate person because one, I've been uh, passionate about, never angry, but always passionate about the work I did. I've worked with people who were my mentors and became my friends. Um, we've worked through some difficult times uh, in all of these jobs and in, in Pulse Canada included. And, and ultimately, I know that we can conquer the challenges and we have to um, do that by, you know, working together. So uh, I'm, I'm really lucky. I think uh, working at Pulse Canada has been the opportunity of a lifetime. It's really why I stayed uh, for all the years that I did. Um, it's time to uh, include some other things in my work plan. I, I want to do a little more things like kayaking and biking. And uh, I know that being the head of an organization is something that you have to be on top of 24 hours a day. It's kind of the farm boy mentality is you never really leave your work. You, you always have to be ready for the next day. And I think a combination of, um, you know, getting past the age 60 and, and, and 24 years in the job, it, um, there was time to say uh, it's time to transition now. And as I told the board of directors, I want to do more um, and I want to do the things that fill me with passion and, and fun. And uh, so 
I just have nothing but great memories of working with you and, and all the people at SPG and all the rest of the pulse industry nationally and around the world. It's been a great honor. And I, I would say thank you to Saskatchewan farmers. I mean, we did what we did with funding that was provided by growers. Um, we did our best to uh, leverage those dollars with other provinces, with the growers, uh, with the trade, I should say, um, with governments. Uh, you know, we even had money from, um, from uh, philanthropic organizations. Uh, so we did what we could, um, always could have done more, but I want to just end by saying thank you. It's been, uh, it's been a great opportunity and a great pleasure for me to be part of the pulse industry for all these years. Well, Gordon, I, I do want to thank you again for taking the time to reflect uh, back on, uh, on your 23 years at Pulse Canada and, and really on behalf of, of growers in Saskatchewan and on behalf of SPG, I want to say thank you for the very immense contributions that you've made to to growth in our sector. You know, clear by anyone listening that you you know have you know always been passionate and certainly still are passionate about this sector. And I know uh, and expect that you're likely st- uh, you know still be making no- those efforts uh, you know in some way around food, uh, agriculture, and 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 probably pulses as we go forward too. So we really look forward to your uh, continuing contributions in in a bit of a different role and. I just really want to say thank you for all the work and the time that you have put in over the years on behalf of uh, producers and, and the industry uh, in, in Canada more generally. So, so thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Pulse of the Prairies podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.